This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 613 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Bates Saddles, Mud Control Grids from Han Plastics, and TotalSaddleFit.com. On tonight's show, we will be joined by Grand Prix riders Jan and Ben Abling, and we've got some great freestyle thoughts from Judge Dolly Hannon. After that, Reese and I will give you a trainer tip. Reese Coppler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. Hi, Reese. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. You know, we're still we're still in lockdown, but we're doing all right. And we're we're training horses. And uh some days we get to ride outside, which is uh, you know, the spring, <laughs> the spring changeover. So that's uh pretty exciting. I, I was gonna Good. say it was fun, but it's not that fun when when you know. The horses are are on edge and you're sitting there like, nope. don't kill me, you know? Yeah, exactly. It sounds like fun after the first 10 minutes and the first 10 minutes does not sound like fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Or like, yeah, we, t- we could talk about it in two weeks from now when, when they don't care anymore. And, and right. Exactly. It's not so exciting. Well, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, again, we want to be sensitive. Like you said, you're still in lockdown. Um, we we are we're not it so much in my state. We're we're kind of rocking and rolling, but I, I essentially live in lockdown anyways because I live in a farm. Uh, but we're we're happy to be coming wherever you are in the world. We hope you're safe and well, and we're thinking about everybody depending on where you are uh, and even what state you're in. At this point, it's it's very different. So um, we hope we can bring some joy and fun to 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 your night today or day. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, it's spring in Kentucky. Uh, I just actually sent both our producer, Paul and Phil, some pictures of, I have the most beautiful trees outside my, my window, which is nice and, uh, really enjoying that. Um, and it was actually quite cold. So we were all happy to be in the indoor today. Um, but it's, it's been, we've had some really, really beautiful days and it's been nice here in Kentucky and we actually have a horse show next week and, uh, should be a lot of fun. So big Mike's gonna, gonna go out and, and have a little fun. So. Fantastic. Well, as always, you know, we, we wish you luck and, uh, we hope, we hope big Mike has a fun time. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure. Well, it's again, it's just that idea of kind of keeping him going. We're going to do another intermediate one uh, just to keep him rocking and rolling and uh, in the mindset of horse showing, as, if you know what I mean. We we were lucky. We're very lucky right now. Horse shows are going and the horse show we're going to is is a nice, very small uh, on a farm. It's kind of a private farm that hosts a couple shows a year. So I'm excited to get him out and again, and, and work on a few things and see what I've done in a month of work uh, to see if he's a little bit stronger and, and ready to go. So I'm looking forward to it. All right. All right. Well, we have a, we have a good show here today. Ben and Jan is, will be a, a very good interview. We, we had fun uh, talking to them and Dolly Hannon is uh, she's been on the show before was a, a great guest. So, Right after this commercial break from Bates Saddles, we're going to come back with Dolly Hannon. Bates Saddles. Bates Saddles are the saddle brand that truly puts your horse first. Enjoy comfort, optimum balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. Consider the new Bates Artiste Dressage Saddle. It features a movable flexi-contour block, adjustable ergonomic stirrup bar, and luxe leather. The new Bates Artiste Dressage Saddle has a position so natural and a connection so sensitive that the saddle all but disappears and your performance is amplified. Let's hear what Ali Saxon, the United States eventer, has to say about it. I really like the streamline look that it gave. Um, I love the Avanta and I love the close contact of the Avanta. And I saw very similar features in this saddle as the Avanta had. So I was really excited to see how it felt once I sat in it. Sitting in it, I liked the close contact feel that it gave it right away. Um, with the Webers, it also gave the ability to kind of really wrap your leg around without having any interference. Um, right away, the balance felt super, uh, very comfortable. The panels were nice and soft on my thigh. Everything about the saddle was 
clearly well thought through and as a rider it's nice to sit down in a saddle that feels designed not just for you but also for the horse's comfort. Learn all about Bait Saddles at BaitsSaddles.com. That's BaitsSaddles.com. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Dolly Hannon, S. Judge, certified instructor. She's also the chairwoman of the Freestyle USDF committee. She's been chairwoman for eight years and on the committee for about 18. But Dolly, welcome to the show tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I think since the last time I was on the show, I also was accepted onto the USDF certification faculty. So that's a proud, proud moment. Absolutely. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's fantastic. That's a big one. We love it. Well, tonight we're putting on the judge and the freestyle hat to talk. We're going to start. We, 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 Phil and I, and, and, and we all talked about what are some pet peeves that judges have for freestyles? Okay. Well, I, I would be happy to talk about that because I judge many, many freestyles. Um, years ago when I first got my large R, um, Lloyd Lankhammer, our wonderful show manager who we all miss so much, used to give me these huge freestyle classes. And they were very difficult because all of the levels were mixed up. And I said, you know, Lloyd, I don't quite get it. Why do you always give me these big classes? And he he said, well, I've decided you're going to be the freestyle queen. And (laughs) I can tell you that I've worked really hard to try to accomplish that goal. So um, some pet peeves of a freestyle dressage judge. Um, I also judge Western dressage, so this actually applies to both disciplines, but um, it's obviously um, geared towards our open dressage shows. So number one, music that is unsuitable for the horse. The music comes on, and instead of making the horse look better, the the rider um, and the horse look rushed. They look like the tempos are off. So it's quite important that when the music comes on, it makes the horse look better. It it makes the horse look uh, more cadenced. It makes the horse look happier. And I oftentimes will see music that is one piece with no changes of tempo, like elevator music. It has nothing to interpret, no phrasing. So that that is a big snooze for a dressage judge. And as I said, the unsuitable music is very important because, for example, if you've got a big, bold, heavy horse with the dance of the sugar plum fairies, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> or if you have a dainty mare that comes into Game of Thrones, that's not going to work. And we see that with some frequency. So you want to choose music that suits your horse, your horse's type, your horse's personality, because it makes a big difference. If the music is unsuitable, the horses will come in, it makes them look quick or flat, and it really um, is jarring. You know, instead of looking uh, as if it really enhances the performance, it tends to make you want to grit your teeth. The walk and the canter have similar tempos, so sometimes you can find a piece of music that you can ride both to. Maybe there's a softer section of the music, but the trot and the canter are quite different in the number of beats per minute, and you want to be sure that your tempos are suitable. You can hire a freestyle designer for that, or you can do it yourself, but it it does take a fair amount of work. You want to be sure that your music is um, properly edited. It doesn't have long gaps and fades or rough cuts, which we're seeing less now with the computer software that's out there. Uh, The music should never make your horse tense. And oftentimes, one of the reasons that we see tension from the music is the rider's chosen to play the music too loud. So that's one of my real pet peeves is that if the music is so loud that the scribe is threatening to quit and you're screaming at the scribe for the scores, and the horse is spooking at every speaker, you need to turn the volume down. You need to be sure you've had a representative stand where the judge is so they know how loud it is there and not just take a sound check from A. And oftentimes, vocals are quite popular, which they are permitted. So if a vocal is played too loud, it can really distort the words and the music, and that can scare your horse. Every rider 
here's a big pet peeve for many of the judges, every rider must attend the sound check and make sure that it's, it's being played at a proper level. Otherwise, it can be too soft. It can be too loud. And too loud for me is more of a problem. I've, been, I've felt like I've been blasted right out of the judge's booth. The riders must have a backup CD or a phone or some other way to download the music, depending on how the show accepts the music. I've had, I had someone once at a show in New Orleans say, you know, my barn's just right down the road. I'll be right back. And they <gasps> galloped off down the road. And they didn't even ask me if that was okay. They just, they left. And it was a very small show. So we laughed quite a bit at that one. And they galloped right back up about hmm, five minutes later. And we <laughs> let them finish their freestyle. Well, there you go. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, most shows that that would not be acceptable. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about um, what to do if the music fails. Um, the rider needs to know the music well enough not to be way ahead or way behind the music, especially at the ending. It really affects the impact of the performance. If the rider stands there and waits for the music to end or dashes down the center line, music's finished, and they feel they have to get to the place they planned on halting in spite of the fact that now the music stopped a few seconds ago. So you really want to hit that ending. It's very important. That's what the judge is thinking about when they are filling out their artistic marks. So if you stood there and looked uncomfortable for several seconds, that's what they're going to remember. Another pet peeve is choreography and or the floor plan that is very imbalanced to one side of the arena or the other or one end or the other. Some spooky horses, you know, will stay 10 or 15 minutes away, minutes, 10 or 15 meters away from the sea end. And once might be okay, but you start to notice a bit of a pattern. You start to think that it's been choreographed that way because they know the horse won't get close to the judge. You want to be careful, too, not to just over-feature one movement or gait. Like, for example, many flying changes in a third-level freestyle. I mean, you obviously can do more than one each way, but if you do 10, you have to remember that the judge has to score each flying change individually, and the scribe starts to get a little crabby after a little while. And also, we see... (laughs) In uh, first-level freestyles, many 10-meter circles in the trot. And again, each movement has to be judged. So we want that choreography to be clear and not very busy and hard to follow. I've heard some judges talk about the choreography looking as if it was a follow the fly in a paper bag, which, you know, that's a little sarcastic, but we don't want to give that impression. We want that choreography to be clear to the judge so they can do their job. So again, choreography that is unclear. Sometimes riders will try to hide movements down at the A end. Not a good idea. You want to be sure the judge can see you. I mean, if your walk is um, challenging in terms of a correct rhythm, you can get you can get away with keeping the walk, you know, not right on top of the C end. However, the judge will know what you're doing if you really hide the walk completely down at A and never get near the judge. We know you're already a little nervous about us anyway, so you don't need to confirm our beliefs there. And this is a big one. Attempting a freestyle that is well beyond the horse's level of training or comfort zone, the degree of difficulty on the artistic side will not be raised if the horse cannot accomplish the intended movement or transition fairly easily. So basically, don't overface your horse. That's a big one. We, it, with the change in the qualification score to perform a freestyle, that's helped. And I know that was a very controversial rule change. However, there's no question that the technical quality has come up a bit in terms of the freestyles that I've judged recently. Can, can we just uh, talk about that rule? Sorry, Dolly, can we just talk? I mean, you referenced the rule, but but let's go over it just so everybody understands because there's a, a show season coming up, right? And we want to be clear about that. Well, there was a rule change that um, stated that now in order to perform a freestyle at a USDF competition, you must have 
a minimum score of a 63% at the level which you intend to show or higher in order to compete. It used to be a 60%, but the scores have gone up significantly with the half points being added and with the changing of the meaning of a five from sufficient to marginal, that raises the scores because in the old days, if it was marginal, you had to give it a four because a five meant sufficient. But now it means marginal. So that definitely raises the scores. So when there first started to be a required score to perform a freestyle, it was a 58, I mean, a million years ago. Then it went up to a 60, and it stayed there for many years. And um, the judges committee um, and other powers that be felt that it needed to be raised. So the uh, rule was instituted, and now um, you have to have 63%. I think at the time, the problem was, was the way that it was um, handled in terms of people being able to comment on it. But for the most part, except for being surprised by that several years ago, I think now it's people are getting used to the idea and it, it does, it's not that hard to get a 63% at the lower levels. As you move on up, that's a different story. So I hope that answers your question about yeah, that. Yeah, that's great. That's a great. It synopsis. does. And, and, and just, just real quick, all the rule changes, because I think it's important to, to say that they are on um, the USDF website and on the USDF website for commenting. So it's always good uh, to be checking that. Um, and right. so people aren't surprised that the, it, it does go on there. Uh, I kind of have to say that for, for my, uh, since I'm on the rules working group, the USDF rules working group, it is, th those are published. Uh, if you don't read them, that's a different story. So sorry, I had to throw that in there. Okay, so we're getting near the end of the list in terms of pet peeves that I have written down at this, this time. It, it's, it's a changing, changing list. We want to be sure that competitors have read the rules and looked at the current score sheets. Also, the rules, guidelines, and definitions that are available on the USCF website so that you clearly know what is permitted and what is not. We oftentimes get questions to the Freestyle Committee about the rules and what what they can include in their freestyles. It's pretty clear on the score on the score sheets, but that's very important to be very familiar with that. And then just remember that a clear floor plan or choreography with suitable, makes your horse look better, well edited, seamless music that is technically well written, very important and correct, will always um, be rewarded should absolutely be rewarded. So that would be today's list of pet peeves. Yeah. And I, now I love gonna... So Dolly, I just have a question. Good. I mean, I think as people uh, are getting into, or maybe they're, they're working their freestyles. Um, I think it is important to, to recognize that they can take a while to do, or they, they should, it's not something you can do fairly quickly. It takes a while to to pick the music and pick the choreography and put it all together and then go back and check. I think yeah, and, and hammer out the problems. You know, record it for yeah. yourself. Watch it yourself first, and say, you know, ask yourself if the music is is suitable or if something's not quite right or you know your pattern looks lopsided. I mean, that's that's something that you can evaluate for yourself or you can send it to a friend or you know, it's just not you're not going to put it together the week before. You hope that you have a friend who's a judge. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, actually, <laughs> well, if you could well, write it do, for a judge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, exactly. If you can write, take it to a schooling show, have a judge look at it, because they're all different perspectives, you know, and, and how to make your horse look better, how to, you know, it, I think that's so incredibly important, um, because I, I had, it was some of your list. I had somebody ride through their freestyle, um, their third level freestyle over the weekend um, and their lesson. And I said, kind of like what you said, why are there 10,000 changes? <laughs> Stop. Like, yeah. let's take that out or let's, let's adjust that. And I think that that's really important to remember. Uh, so, so again, I just don't rush this. If you, if you want to be doing your freestyle in the summer, you better be rocking and rolling on it now so that all these questions get answered. 
Um, and, and then we don't get to the point that the judge is, is saying to you, um, Hey, what, and I've had this personally happen and I had to change the choreography immediately. They're like, did you do a shoulder in left? I was like, yep, I, I did do a shoulder in left. <laughs> Clearly didn't it notice happens it. all the time. Yeah. It happens all the time. I'll, and, and, and actually, if we follow the rules, um, we're not really supposed to talk to the competitors. However, if, for example, you're going to have to give them a zero for that shoulder in, you better find out. I've done that, too. I've said, okay, uh, I did not see a shoulder in left. And if someone says, oh, sure, I did it, you know, blah, 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 wherever it might have been, probably down there at A, hidden, I yeah. actually had one lady one time ride it in the short end. Down yeah, I was going to say, why not? Yeah. yeah. Somebody oh, the short end do that. Said, oh, that's really a bad idea. And the only that's, reason yeah. I could figure it out is she did it the other way, too. And I finally went, okay, I think that might be her shoulder end. But we never want to have the judge guessing or asking you at the end. I will ask someone and say, look. You know, and most of the time they, for example, if someone got lost and they did for two canter pirouettes to the left and not one to the right, at the end, I'll say, you you realize you didn't do a canter pirouette to the right. And I'll say, yeah, I got lost. Sorry. It's a very expensive mistake because that means um, the one to the right that was omitted gets a zero plus the choreography and the degree of difficulty are no more than a 5.5 because Ooh. you did not fulfill the requirements of the level. So there, there's actually quite a bit to know about freestyles to really be successful and comfortable. And they evolve, which is, I think, which is where you were both going. It, a freestyle evolves. That's why you got to get started on it early and keep mm-hmm. working on it and see how your horse handles it in different weather conditions and footing conditions and, you know, um, under pressure of you've got a friend watching you versus a panel of, you know, three judges at the regional final. So it it really does make a difference. So um, I've also made a list of how to make the judge happy with your freestyle. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that'll be a nice contrast to the pet peeves list. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Yeah, we would hope so. You want to you want to show up to show prepared and know the rules. I mean, we all talk about this, but who reads the rule book? Be sure that your horse is technically proficient at the level and can perform reliably with correct basics in harmony. Sounds easy enough, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's a little challenging. You want to know your music and be adjust be adjustable to the environment, perhaps your horse's mood, and stay with your music. Don't be ahead. Don't be behind. The clever riders know how to cut a corner or ride into a corner or speed up or slow down if something has gotten them a little bit off their music. Sometimes they'll start and the music's too soft. And by the time they really get, you know, they get the volume up and they can hear it, they're behind the music. So you have to learn to be adjustable. Choose suitable music that people like to hear, not just a song that you love and your parents or your kids might hate. Um, <laughs> I can remember growing up, my mother, you know, yelling, turn that, turn that down, you know, constantly <laughs> because I had the Beatles turned up at full volume. Yeah. <laughs> and it does make a difference. You want something appealing. If I'm as a, as a judge, if I close my eyes, I should hear uh, a theme and or it should be semi-lyrical not just a cacophony there's today's word and i should hear the gate i should i should know oh that's trot music oh that's canter music it should never be surprising um the judge cannot tell the theme unless it's clear in the selections and or vocals if you're including vocals so i'll see someone they will have chosen music that has something to do with their horse's name but I don't know the music. I have no idea what the theme might be. Um, so using music of similar orchestration type, you know, like, for example, Beatles music, or we don't see a lot of classical music nowadays, but well-chosen classical music is wonderful. You can rock and roll it. You better make sure your horse can handle it. Um, vocals are permitted. And you just want to be careful they don't completely overpower the performance, especially 
hint, hint, if they're played at too high a volume. The music should make your horse look better. When it comes on, the judge sits up and takes notice and doesn't cringe or want to jump out of the booth, which unfortunately has happened on occasion. You want livelier selections for a quieter horse and perhaps a more soothing type of music for a really hot horse. You want to be sure you've played the music at home and the horse can handle it. I see many freestyles nowadays where the music makes the horse a bit frantic or tense, or it looks as if the horse and rider are chasing the tempo to to catch up to it or to stay with it. It should look comfortable for the horse and rider, not played too loud. So once again, we mentioned this under pet peeves, be sure you attend the sound check. It's quite important. We are not totally deaf. We might be a little deaf as time goes by, but we're not completely deaf. And you used to be able to have a representative in the sh- in the sound booth, but now with COVID, that's not possible. But you can have someone near the sound booth that knows your music, and if they see you in in your performance with a thumbs up or a thumbs down, they can help the the person running the music to adjust the volume. Um, Competitors think louder is better and has more impact, but I have to say it oftentimes distorts the music and makes the scribes want to quit. So that that will not work. I've I had a I had a scribe leave once and it was awkward. Oh, so also yeah, she said that's it. It's too loud. I can't stand it. And I said, oh, please don't leave me. And it was just one of those things. She she couldn't take it. Wow. So you have to know where the speakers are positioned. And get your horse used to music that's louder than it is at home. Because I'm, I'm sure you've been there, Reese. You've had you've played music at home, and then you get to the competition, oh, and yeah. the speakers are situated that it your yeah. horse has to go right right into it. Yeah, or okay. starts and scares them. That's happened to me a couple times. I didn't realize I was right by the speaker. Oh yeah, that's scary. They turn yeah. it on, and the horses are yeah. like, oh my goodness. So yeah. maybe take a look and where I, the speakers and, are. And I, boy, that's the truth. Um, there's, I've seen several large arenas where there's an overhead sound system. So Mm -hmm. it sounds great for the audience, but it sounds either really loud or really soft when you're right underneath it on a horse. So that can be a little confusing. And I've seen a few people show up, show up for the sound check. They've got earbuds on, they're talking to their coach. The coach is up in the grandstand, but since they have earbuds on, they can't hear the volume. So you know, again, oh, yeah. they end up playing it too loud. So don't do that. Uh-uh. You want to really have a clear floor plan or choreography that's easy to evaluate. And be careful not to be so creative. The judge cannot tell what you're doing. You want to try to start your freestyle with a judged movement as soon as possible. And be careful. I see many, many freestyles where they halt. Everybody halts at D or L. And... Then they make a 10-meter half circle, go all the way through the short end before they start a scored movement. Well, the judge is sitting there tapping their toe, waiting for you to do something to be judged. So if you can, try to do something impressive or that your horse does well right away. You don't have to necessarily come right down the center line, but you know, be interesting. Go into a leg yield or a half pass. Just try to let the judge get to work. Otherwise, unless the music is just so wonderful, you're you're waiting for something to happen. And you want to be sure that you show enough of a required movement. You must show a minimum of 12 meters in lateral work, shoulder in, haunches in. Um, so I would say do at least 15 meters. And you must show 20 meters of continuous walks, walk, parentheses S, that is not broken up into parts. So, for example, you have to show 20 meters of medium walk, 20 meters of free walk, minimum. 20 meters of medium walk um, or collected walk, 20 meters of extended walk. And if you don't show enough meters, then you're going to get dinged again down um, for your artistic marks, and it becomes very expensive. If you're hiding a weakness, generally it's in the walk, don't keep repeating it. I've seen people, the horse doesn't have a big lengthening or medium, and they keep doing it down the center line towards you. And after the second or third time, you're thinking, 
I can't see it. I can't score it <laughs> unless you have a side <laughs> judge. It makes it very difficult. And we know what you're doing. You know, you think you're hiding it? Not so much. So you don't have to feature a weakness, but be careful you don't keep trying to hide it to the point where the judge says, okay, now I'm getting a little bit cranky because it's the third time you've done it. And then try to hit your ending of your freestyle with a flourish, somewhat of a flourish and not an apology. When you stand there and wait for the music to end, it looks kind of sad. Or on the other other end, if the music has stopped and you're continuing to trot up to where you thought you should halt, it's okay if for some reason you're ahead or behind the music to make a little adjustment there so that you can end on your halt salute and look proud of uh, proud of your accomplishment, which you should. I mean, a freestyle is a wonderful experience if it's if if you've got a nice horse and you've got a nice relationship and you can express that to the judge through your music and your training. So that ending halt, that's the impression that the judge has in mind as they fill out those artistic marks. I see also nowadays many freestyles that either just end, you didn't expect it, or it just seems to, you know, peter out. <laughs> you can't figure out exactly maybe they forgot something, you're not quite sure. And it starts to look a little bit strange. It should be logical. It doesn't have to be completely symmetrical, but it has to be logical. The judge should be able to relax and say, oh, okay, I see what they're doing. You want to try to look happy and reward your horse at the end of your freestyle. Some people don't look so happy, but they need to, to train themselves to smile and pet their horse because the horse doesn't know. You know, if you're unhappy with how it went, you still want to reward your horse for trying. And again, I just mentioned this earlier, but if the music's too loud or soft, it's fine to signal the sound person. That's why that music should be included for entry, so you've got a chance to adjust it. If not, have a friend. They should know the music. And if, if you know, it's blasting everybody out, they can communicate with the sound person. If the music fails, we certainly hope it doesn't, but if it does, you must stop wave at the sound person so they're not trying to start it up again. Go to the judge to find out what they want you to do. You know, there's a couple of options there. They can say, hey, you know, <laughs> can we get started again? Or is there a problem with your music? If there's a real problem with the music and you don't have a backup source, whether it's a CD or some other way to download it, if that's the way they play the music, then they'll have you come back during a break or at the end of the end of the class and CDs are going to eventually disappear, but they won't for a while. So unless the show specifies in the prize list that they, that they want music to be emailed or they want to download it, you should have CDs with you just as a backup. And um, you're not allowed to have music for the exit People get that generally, but every once in a while, someone will get excited and want to make a little statement as they leave, and that's not permitted. So a freestyle should be fun. I mean, I love writing yeah. freestyles, and if the music is suitable and fun and your horse is technically strong for the level with a clear floor plan and choreography with correct execution, looking in harmony, the judge will be happy. And mm -hmm. oftentimes... Mm -hmm. The simpler plans look better because it's clear and the judge can tell what you're doing. And I know that that, you know, oftentimes when you're writing it, you've got to keep thinking about where's the judge sitting. And if your goal is to go to regionals, you're going to have two judges. And if your goal is to go to finals, you're going to have three judges. So it does make a difference. So you can hire a professional choreographer or freestyle designer. You also can do it yourself, but it definitely takes some homework and time to come up with a good quality freestyle. So I would highly recommend it for every writer. Agreed. It is, it is yeah. so fun. It, it's so fun and creative and you get to, uh, you know, we, we've been doing some recently and, you know, it's, it's my assistant just said, oh yeah, I, I'm working on my freestyle and, and it really is fun. It, you can really highlight your horse and, and I find them 
wonderful to do. And I've never, um, I'm not very musically inclined, but my current freestyle, I, I saw the movie and I said, I want that freestyle years ago. And it's fun that I get to, to use that music. But, uh, so Dolly, is it a hot take that you like the Beatles? I'm just, just wanted to ask just a hot take. Just well, saying. you know, I'm, show, I'm showing my age, but I have to say, I, I know the words to every Beatles song. So yes, I, I love the Beatles. I, I just right, had well, to ask everybody it. listening to our show has a little leg up on the competition. <laughs> little leg up. Dolly likes the Beatles, everyone. Well, Dolly, <laughs> we can't thank you enough for coming on the show. And um, just a couple questions: How, if people are interested in freestyles, what are what's a good resource? Where should they start to kind of find some information? Well, start with uh, the USTF website. There's a lot of information there. Just put in freestyle. And then um, I think it's a good idea to Google dressage freestyles and see what comes up. You know, what what inspires you? Um, You can't go wrong if you're able to go to a larger um, competition. Any of the international competitions are so inspirational. I've made a goal for myself to go to every international competition I mean, larger international competition in this country that I can because I find it so very inspirational. And, and music elicits such an emotional response from people. If you think back on a show, chances are if it was a really good freestyle, whatever the level, you're going to remember it. So yeah. um, you also can make a, you know, you can say, okay, am I very computer literate or do I need to hire a freestyle designer? Because the freestyle desi- designers will walk you through um, how to choose the music, um, give you different options. They either can help you choreograph it or you can do it yourself if you have a trainer that can help you with that. So it really it really does take some study, but it, it's, it's an awful lot of fun. I was able to do one with my mayor a few years ago, and I hope to do one again soon. And it just was a blast. I felt like I could show my relationship with this horse who I'm so proud of. And I love music. So being able to combine those two things for me is just a ball. It's so fun. And and finally, Dolly, if if people are are looking to to find more information from you, how can they do that? I can be contacted on Facebook or I have a website, dollyhannondressage.com. I'm also listed on the USDF website under the certification um, page and faculty. Also, as a judge, I'm on the USEF website with contact information. So I'm always happy to take any questions about freestyle. Being the chair of the freestyle committee, I get a lot of questions. So you also can contact contact me through the USEF office. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight. This was so fun. And I hope everybody enjoys getting ready to do their own freestyles. I wish them the best of luck. And um, I hope they have a wonderful show season. So, Phil, we just uh, we were chatting with Dolly right after the interview, and we just wanted to clarify so everybody kind of understands uh, again what the rule is. You need a sixty three percent in the highest test of the level. So uh, first level test three, second level test three, third level test three, or fourth level test three. You need a sixty three percent. Uh, or higher to be eligible to ride your freestyle. And the FEI test, you need a 60% in the technical test to be able to ride the freestyle. We just wanted to clear that up because it was we were we were concerned that it was a little confusing. So we hope that helps. And go out there and get those scores and enjoy riding your freestyles. We're going to have a couple commercial breaks and we're going to come back with Ben and Jan Ebling. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Spring is here, and so are pastures full of luscious green grass. Spring grass is high in vitamins, minerals, and sugar. Most horses have little problem adjusting to the changing sugar levels found in spring pasture, but for at-risk horses, grazing on sugary grass can lead to big problems such as colic or laminitis. 
By paying attention to daily temperatures and following a couple of simple rules, you can limit your horse's access to such sugar-laden grasses. In the spring and fall of the year, limit grazing or stop it completely when daytime temperatures are warm and nighttime temperatures are below 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Under these conditions, the grass produces sugar during the day and it stores it in its leaves. At night, the plant transfers the stored up sugars to the roots and stems to fuel the growth. If the evening temperatures are cold, the grass will not make that transfer and all of the sugar will remain in the leaves where it is readily available to your horse. In the summer when days are sunny and nights are warm, it is safe to allow grazing in the early morning hours, but it should be restricted late in the afternoon or evening. This is because most of the sugar that was produced the previous day has been used for growth overnight. Therefore, the level of sugar in the leaves is low in the morning. But as the day progresses, the grass once again accumulates sugar in its leaves in preparation for nighttime growth. So later in the day, the more sugar-packed leaves become. Because grass is a great source of essential vitamin E, horses that are restricted from grazing, especially easy keepers and horses in hard work, may develop vitamin E deficiencies. Lack of vitamin E can result in sore, stiff muscles and neurological problems. Elevate Maintenance Powder from Kentucky Performance Products is an affordable way to provide your horse with the vitamin E missing from his diet. Each scoop provides 1,000 international units of natural vitamin E, and natural vitamin E is absorbed and retained in the tissues at a much greater rate than the synthetic vitamin E found in many feeds and supplements. Best of all, when you choose a Kentucky Performance Product Supplement, you get a 100% satisfaction guarantee. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Have you ever wondered how to keep your horse sound and how to prevent future lameness issues? Have you had to deal with abscesses, stone bruises, laminitis, navicular, or soft tissue damage in the hoof capsule? Or maybe you're a farrier and you want to learn how top vets around the world diagnose and treat various hoof care issues. The Humble Hoof is a podcast for both owners and professionals discussing the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Check us out, published twice a month on Horse Radio Network. Well, tonight I am so excited to have Ben and Jan Ebling on the program, the father and son duo. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, well, thanks, thanks so much for having us on, Reese. <laughs> Not very often do we get to have families. Oh, this is so fun. And uh, we have you guys, you're together, but separate in rooms. So we're so thrilled to have you. So Jan, I wanted to start with you. You guys both had a great season. Can you tell me a little bit about your season this year? Well, yeah, we had a very exciting season. So me, it was a Grand Prix horse that I had shown a little bit in, in CDI's last season already, and, and she was quite clean. And coming in, she did her first couple of CDI's, uh, uh, specials, monthly specials in the CDI's this, this year. And it, it, it went well. It, it didn't go quite as well as I had hoped, but I'm very happy with her. I'm very proud of her. It still is all fairly new for her. And so, yeah, it was, it was quite exciting. Well, and, and as we, we know, a green horse, you know, that it, it's, it's very exciting in there and a little bit challenging, just, just to say the least, right? Right. Anything can happen. And, you know, I mean, horses are not machines. And, you know, I got reminded of that fact. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> and, and Ben, what about you? What, what was your season this year? So for me, I actually started out my season in Thermal, California. We did the two desert circuit shows out there. I did really well at the U25 level, kind of continued my pace from last season. So I was really happy with that. And I decided, you know, we had a had a group discussion with me, my dad, and Christoph Koschel, who is a good friend of ours. And we decided that we should just go ahead and try some international Grand Prix, the, the senior level. And, you know, we, we didn't really have a plan of... of doing as, as well as I did, but it seemed that the tests for, for my horse ended up to be really well-suited, especially the, the Grand Prix Special. So yeah, we, we came to Wellington. I did, I did one test at the beginning of the year, I think in December, and, and we did super well there. And then we just kind of continued the pace. I mean, it was 
uh, surreal for me to to get into that international Grand Prix arena and to have done as well as I I did in that first season. It was super special, but I, I really just attribute it to the, the people around me. Thank well, you really yeah. did. Yeah, Sorry, you made say. a splash for sure. Chris of Caution teaches and coaches Ben when we're in, in Florida. And we started that process when Ben started going over to Europe with a young rider, so with a young rider uh, team that, that did these Euros, Europe trips where I had to stay back and run the show, our farm in California. Ben would go with his mom. And so he was at the beginning, he was riding with George, but George wasn't, George Williams, but he wasn't there all the time for the entire trip. So we stayed at the, at the Kasselmans and Christoph is right, right around the corner there. So that's how that whole thing came to be with, with Christoph in the, in the picture. That's, it's been working really well. So when we're in Florida, uh, Ben works with, with his horse, Luster, with Christoph. When we're in California, then I work with him. And uh, so he has a whole bunch of coaches there, actually. Yeah. So I have to ask. I'm dying to know. And, and I'm going to ask Ben this question. Ben, what's it like to work with your dad? <laughs> you know, everybody <laughs> asks me that. I know. <laughs> expecting expecting um, a bad answer. But you know what? I... I have a really great time working with my dad. Of course, every once in a while we'll we'll butt heads and, and things will get a little bit tense, but that's okay. I think that's just kind of the nature of working so close with family at something you're really passionate about. And I have to say, working with somebody as knowledgeable as my father has has really been great for my development as a rider. Okay, Jan, I got to ask the same thing. What is it like? I mean, for all the parents that are listening to to watch, and and I have a little niece that's coming up, and and, and like we're we're posting the trot, like we're very very green. But what is it like to see your son develop and and be a part of that? I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. It's it's. I mean, I could not be prouder. It's it's an amazing journey that that we're on, and I have to say, he's a wonderful student. He listens pretty, pretty good. I'm trying to be very positive uh, because I know that can, can go south. Every so often I, I, I get a little intense and he lets me know that, that it's too much. And then, you know, we talk about it. And like you said, we butt heads once in a while, but it's all good. I mean, it's, he's made so much progress in a relatively short time. And we're lucky that he's able to ride a whole bunch of different horses. And he's learning a lot from those horses and is able to apply it with with the one his main horse illustrator that he's, that he's competing with so ben I, I have to ask whether you know you were always on this path of you know horse trainer or or working towards the grand prix or or you know what was that like growing up and being a little bit in your in your dad's shadow yeah so actually i mean I mean, it all goes back to, to growing up as, as just a kid. You know, I, I watched my dad work his entire life for his big goal of, of representing the USA at, at the Olympic Games, which um, he did in 2012. So to see that culminate in, in such a success was amazing for me, I think, I think growing up. Before I was into the horses, I was really into soccer. I played competitive club soccer and high school soccer until like my sophomore year or junior year or something. In addition to that, I was also a, a Grand Prix show jumper. I did Grand Prix show jumping before I did any any Grand Prix dressage. I worked with Will Simpson for a long time. So that's another person who, who really shaped my riding journey. But yeah, no, I, I took a couple of lessons from my dad on a horse that we had named Don Gio, and who I actually was trying to turn into a jumper, of course. But no, it, it, was, it turned into something a little bit more. And I, I sort of enjoyed riding dressage because I thought that it could help my show jumping a lot because a lot of what Will had to say to me was that show jumping was 90% dressage. It's just jumping in between the fences, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I started doing some lessons with my dad. Then there were a couple of kids at the barn that we we started doing some fun riding lessons with, and we all made the junior team one year. Then, you know, I continued on, did young riders, and I just, just kept kept on that track uh the jumping sort of i wouldn't say it faded away because that's really where my heart is of course but right now i'm sort of just focusing on the dressage and i'm really happy to be doing that wow that's fantastic so so how does it work with horses maybe jan i'll start with you how do you guys decide which horses go to which rider well i mean most of the horses are in training with, with me anyway and we have some some clients that have been here many, many years, and they've known Ben from when he was really a baby, like one of them, of course, is Anne Romney. And so Anne's been been very gracious uh, in letting Ben ride some of her horses, like when she's not there, then, then gets to ride those 
I hop on maybe for a couple of minutes. So he gets plenty of time on, on various different horses, which is fantastic for learning. We just kind of see which horse goes for what rider best. We have a few that, that Amy and I had, had bought as young horses that we originally bought for resale and, of course, never did because then, you know how that goes, mm-hmm. they become part of the family and yeah, <laughs> these horses. Yeah. And so there are a few that, that Ben has taken over and he's competed with them, Prince George and, and various different levels and has done very well. When we started out, we never really wanted to push him into competing. I mean, we, we had a, comp- uh, a discussion with him and we said, look, you're growing up as the son of a professional rider and Amy running the barn and me doing the training. There are horses in our lives and you have to know how to safely ride a horse. And we said, we don't care if you, if you never go to a horse show, if this is not your, your interest, totally fine with us, but you have to be able to, to ride a horse, get it on the bit. And so that we can maybe some days go on a trail ride. That's all you have to do. <laughs> and so it kind of took off from there. Wow. Wow, that's nice. So, so Ben, I was just gonna. I'm intrigued by this show jumping thing. Do you have any show jumpers in training at the moment? Or like, do you have any ideas about going back to that at some point? Yeah. Where, where, where are you going I, with that? I, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I definitely plan on doing both sports concurrently. I've got two a young show jumpers, home homebred, and one of them is four. The other is three. I started started the four year old last year. She needs a little bit of time to grow up, so I'll I'll start back in the summer. Uh, whenever we we move on back to California, and yeah, so I'm I'm waiting for those guys to come come up, and I'm super excited. I I love show jumping, like I said, and I'm excited to start some young horses. I think oh, that's it's fin- becoming very clear that Ben Ben's heart really is <laughs> jumping. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand, Ben. Were you aware? My, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, my, my, I'm like, what? Oh my God, why would you do that? But that's amazing. So, so how does being in Wellington sort of help help fuel that, or, or is that kind of the plan? Is that you'll do the the dressage one week and the jumping the next week? Yeah. Well, I decided a couple of years <laughs> ago to to uh, sell my my Grand Prix horse. I had you know taken him up from a one meter jumping horse all the way up to to Grand Prix, and I. No, I think the last step in that process was was uh, selling him to somebody who you know could use him as a schoolmaster, as like a you know junior young rider horse. His name was Cadillac FSD, and since <laughs> I sold him, I've I've been so sad that I haven't been at the jumper shows. In fact, when I went to a Deer Ridge last year to watch, I I was almost crying, and I was like, I need to get back to this as soon Aww. as possible. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's like when I when I watched that jumping class, those jumping classes over at West, it definitely it definitely adds fuel to the fire. I I can't wait to get back there. But you know, as soon as I'm I'm back jumping, I do plan on continuing my dressage path as well. I I am having too much fun riding yeah, with my, you might my as family. Well. It's been successful, <laughs> yeah. right? Exactly. That's good to know. So uh, yeah, good yeah, to know. Yeah. I was like, Matt, <laughs> how do you feel about this? Yeah, I'm like, wow. I think, oh, I don't know. Watching jumping that that big, Dad. How do you feel about that? <laughs> well, you know, the first the, the, or the one year, I don't even know. Was it two years ago or three years ago? No, two years ago, I think. When we had the jumper here too, Ben would do both. I mean, he would be on the same weekend riding wow. a dressage test, and I think you would you were doing young riders at the time, so Prince and George. And he'd have his class, and then he would get off the horse and hustle into the in the car and drive over to to West and get on his jumper and do a jumping class and come back and ride another horse in, in garage. And and I mean, I always looked at this and like, how does this guy do this? And because I mean, the seat is different. I mean, you sit differently in a in a jump, obviously, in a on a jumper than you do on dressage. But he was in like no time within the hour, he could just switch from the from one to the other and come back to dressage. That's that. That's pretty talented. Now, I, I don't think you should allow him to be, you know, to be setting up all, all his jumps in in your dressage arena now. You know, <laughs> you better, better set some limits. Yeah, <laughs> we, we had a we had a pony. He started out on a on a little pony. His name was Bernie Burnt Sugar, and we have our plastic arena set up, and he would just jump in and out, do like a serpentine, <laughs> in out, in out, in out, yeah. jumping over this thing. Like Ben, stop messing up my arena. <laughs> 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 I love it. I love it. So, Jan, what is kind of your guys' plan now? We're recording. It's sort of mid-April. So what happens now for the summer? Well, Ben is uh, qualified to do the, the 
trials that are going to be in June here in, in Wellington. I'm not quite sure where he's ranked because I hardly ever look at the rankings, but I know he's, he's in the mix. And I know that I'm unfortunately out. So, but at least, hey, one in the family made it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So we're staying until uh, that is over. And then I guess we just kind of have to wait and see because, I mean, you can't make any plans. I mean, there were plans, of course, of going to Europe and now with COVID and and all these. I mean, it's just nobody can make plans. So we will be here through the middle of June. And then very likely I will go back with with most of the horses and we don't know what ha- what happens with Ben. Maybe who knows? We will see. Possibly fingers crossed, Europe, Ben. Possibly. Yeah. Fingers yeah. Crossed. So, so yeah, we just have to <laughs> wait and see. I love it. Well, Ben, we're going to let you handle all the social media. How can everybody get in touch with you, follow you, all the good stuff? Uh, we're going to let dad, dad said, go ahead and do that, that piece. So we're going to let you rock on with that. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. You definitely don't want me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I don't even know if you know how to work Instagram. Uh, anyways, our, our Instagram handle is the Acres Dressage, one word. And uh, you can you can follow me on Instagram at Ben underscore Ebling. We've also got a Facebook that we stay active on, which is also the Acres Dressage. Awesome. I love it. And any sponsors you want to plug? Now's your time. Yeah. Well, I think my biggest sponsor is probably my mom. I wouldn't be here without her. I have to thank her for everything that she does for me. In addition to that, I'd really like to thank the owner of my horse, Sasha Cutter. She's been wonderfully supportive through this whole process. In addition to that, I'd like to thank Equiline for keeping me and my horse outfitted. Also, Kingsley Boots, I've newly partnered with them. I'm so excited to to get that going. And everybody else who has helped me to get to get to this this place, I can't thank you all enough. Fantastic. Well, we are we've had a lot of a lot of support and a lot of businesses that are in the equestrian industry. I mean, Cavalor is our seat company that has been with us for, for many years since the Olympics, since I went with Rafaka to the Olympics. And they've been, been sponsoring us and also Cavallo, which, you know, most people know. And so it's, I mean, it's it just all these things help. It's, it's, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to this sport if you do it at this level. And especially when you do it with two people. Yes, exactly. Two people. Yes, it is. It is very, very challenging. And and hearing your guys' story is so fun. And Ben, I I have to be honest, I like the story of you jumping in and out of the arena the best. Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best. You you would not believe how many times I got yelled at for that. (laughs) I can only imagine, <laughs> but we can't thank you both so much for coming on the program and we wish the best of luck. And Ben, we really have our fingers crossed for June and the selection trials for Tokyo. So best of luck. Thank you so much. Tired of having your boot sucked off bit stride by sticky mud. Mud control grids are the solution. Frustrated by mushy, slippery messes at the paddock gates. Mud control grids are the solution. Is keeping the ground underfoot stable in your sacrifice areas and dry lots causing you to lose sleep? Once again, mud control grids are the solution. You're seeing a trend here, aren't you? Well, Han Plastics mud control grids really has come up with the best solution. Unlike other plastic grids on the market, mud control grids can be installed directly on top of the mud. Let me say that again, right on top of the mud. You don't need to do any ground preparation. The mud control grids are an instant solution to your high traffic muddy areas. No more having to fill in with sand, gravel, shavings, or even old carpet. What's more, mud control grids will allow grass to grow underneath of them so they can be taken back up once the area is dry or recovered. Or you can leave them right where they are and take over again when the rainy season comes back around. Han Plastics mud control grids are designed to be installed as a temporary or permanent solution. You can take them with you if you move. Put down a lot, put down a few. Add more each year. The ultimate mud control solution. Check out Han Plastics mud control grids at mudgrid.ca. Oh, an added bonus, your tractor or gator won't sync up to its axles with Han Plastics mud control grids in place. So there's that www.mudgrid.ca So Phil, now that we're back in Kentucky and, and my horses and I are, we're not on 
complete vacation, but we're back sort of working basics. I have been really focused again on my position. And every time I ride by the mirror, I think the stability stirrup leathers from Total Saddle Fit, they're phenomenal. I love them so much. Yeah, I mean, not not just for for comfort, which they are absolutely the most comfortable stirrup leathers I've ever ridden in. But again, they, they have the added benefit of helping your position. Um, I had somebody new I was talking to, and I was and anybody I'm kind of giving a positional tip to, I'm like, if you want to fix your legs, here's a pretty simple way to do it. it I, I mean, you have to spend a little bit of money, but it's well worth whatever you're going to spend on, on the on on the stirrup leathers because they're going to help. They're going to look beautiful. They're going to be comfortable. That's all. Well, you need. Let's be real. After the winter, it's really good to check your tack anyways. And stirrup leathers are one of those things that you need. You do need to check them for a safety standpoint. I sometimes will look at people's stirrup leathers and and if you're going to replace them anyways, let me tell you, you you will love these. You will never go back. I have replaced every stirrup leather that I own with these stirrup leathers. They're amazing. And as always, all the products from Total Saddle Fit at uh, totalsaddlefit.com. They are fantastic. Justin over there is great, uh, very innovative, but products that you will love. You will not go back. So again, totalsaddlefit.com. And... Uh, Phil, we've got a great Total Saddle Fit tip of the week. Do you want to count us in? This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. <laughs> we were just brainstorming this a, a little bit earlier, and uh, you know, we're, we're both teaching some lessons and, and, you know, and we noticed, you know, kind of a theme is uh, a little bit of, of riders not really being clear with their idea or their vision of, of what they want to be accomplishing. Uh, we noticed that, uh, you know, a lot of times it's just riders doing, you know, doing uh, kicking or, or whatever. And then, and then a coach comes in and says, you know, what, what are you hoping to accomplish that, you know, with, with what you're doing with your right leg or your left rein or, and and then the rider says, well, I'm not really sure. And then, so we have to, you know, you you break it down, you have a conversation and and then, you know, you have a a clearer picture with what you want to achieve. And then you have a higher possibility of, of actually achieving that. Exactly. So I, I was, I was teaching today and this is, it's such a a really important thing, especially when you're correcting your horse, please, (laughs) from the bottom of my heart and Phil too, know what you're correcting and why you're correcting it. So sometimes, you know, it's emotional and you just kick or you're just trying to get through something, but you're not being very clear with what you're correcting. So I think that's really important to remember. And I have to remember that too. Um, what are you trying to accomplish in the moment? And if you're not sure, it's probably better just to halt, take a deep breath and figure it out. Right. And instead of just kicking, a lot of times people will just kick and then it becomes this sort sort of kicking situation. And I'll say to them, I'll stop them. And I say, I, I personally have no idea what you're trying to correct. What are you trying to correct? And then we discuss it. And then we discuss kind of what is the best way to handle the correction. Um, because it's literally just like, I'm sure this happened and, and my mom's amazing, but I'm sure this happened when she would just scream like every person's name in the household to get to you. And by the time you get to you, it's like, what, 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 what's happening? What did I do? That's the same concept. Be very clear with what you're correcting and why you are correcting it. If you don't understand, great time to ask a coach, ask a friend, send Phil and I an email. We'll help. Um, but if, if a human on the ground doesn't understand what you're correcting, uh, then the horse for sure will not understand. So clear aids, clarity, understanding the technique and why you're doing what you're doing is really important. And that's why we do these uh, saddle fit tips of the week. Uh, if you have questions or want to send a tip or how we can help, we love it. So again, we love the email and Facebook shout outs, keep them coming. And uh, we hope on this tip that it it brings clarity. And like I said, if you need to take a deep breath, do it and uh, then go back to what you were doing uh, with clarity and understanding from your horse. 
You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products, Bates Saddles, Han Plastics, and Total Saddle Fit. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we look forward to talking with you next week. 